Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hola, como estas? It's another day to change the world, and I'm so excited to get an opportunity to give you knowledge from one of the best thought leaders in the world. His name is John Dwoskin. And today, we were talking about how to choose your big. You know, we bonded over the fact that we're both Brian Tracy fans, and John is a serial entrepreneur. And we dove into the elements of understanding when it's time to think big. Think big is his mantra, and he went into what exactly that means. And he also answers the question whether bigger is always better. We also talked about whether you can teach people to be an entrepreneur or is that innate? The number one thing that gets people and companies unstuck, how to reset or grow your company culture, some of the qualities that make a CEO stand out, how to hire for the right people, and the lessons that he learned from trusting his gut for so long. I loved how John took his career into his own hands and basically created a career out of his name, out of his brand, out of his skill set. And so I hope that you all learn this and then you understand how you can tap into the power of you, use your difference to make a difference, if you will, and turn that into a movement and a business. Speaking of turning your movement into a business, I'd love you to check out Thought Leader Academy. The link will be in the show notes. It's a place where you can learn how to harness your skill set, turn that into paid opportunity, get the visibility that you want, and then grow in front of the audience that you seek. It's something that we, we've been putting together. The team here has been putting together for a while. We're pretty excited about creating that opportunity for you. We also would love for you to join the Facebook group. Um, you know, we love, you know, meeting a lot of you podcasters and just interacting. And it's, it's a place where people share ideas and, and communicate, uh, ways to collaborate and ways that they feel like they can change the world. I'll also put that in the show notes. However, let's hear John talk about how he uses his difference to make a difference. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with John Dwoskin. We were just talking before the show got started, and this man does literally everything. I thought I've met people <laughs> that did everything, but he's done everything. And so 
That makes me even more inspired. Uh, he is an executive advisor, business coach, and motivational speaker who's been called the business whisperer for his <laughs> <laughs> for his skill. Did I tell you I was corny? I'm, I'm very corny. No, that's all right. That's all right. For his uh, for his skilled and compassionate insights into what can keep a corporate culture thriving. At age 23, he created one of the first internet marketing companies in America, and then he went on to great success at several national commercial real estate firms. John has also built, trained, expanded, and restructured both sales teams and corporate structures. But after 20 years in the C-suite, he knew it was time to make a business out of being himself. He called that the John Dwoskin experience. And that teaches the secrets, hard work, and discipline required to think big, very big. A prolific business blogger, John is the author of the Think Big Movement, a business fable about getting unstuck and transforming a business. A 15-year cancer survivor, he lives with his wife, has two children in Michigan, and he's active in community organizations. John has been included in the prestigious Crane's Detroit Business 40 Under 40 list and named the Alumnus of the Year by Eastern Michigan University, where he double majored in economics and journalism. And now he's going to double major in thinking big and thinking very big. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, John. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Tayo. You know, the, the, the very first rule of business I learned this a long time ago is never believe your own PR, ever. That's the, uh, the number one rule. So, But I appreciate that intro, and uh, I'm looking forward to being on your show. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. I mean, you're going to have to do a very good job of not believing this PR because you've done a good job. <laughs> and and, and uh, um, I just want you to give, an, uh, give the audience an insight into uh, who you are. I mean, you gave me that during yeah. the show, but how did you get to where you got to? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back a couple of years. I'm 45 years old. And, um, I think one of my, one of the reasons is because I've always done Tayo exactly what I've wanted to do and followed my, my dreams and my passions. And, um, and, and so that allows, allowed me to grow in, in all the fields that I was in. But if I go back and, um, you know, look, if I, when I was 18 years old and I was uh, about to start college, my dad gave me a set of tapes that's by Brian Tracy, and they were called The Psychology of Success. And he said, not that you will learn a lot in college, but I think you'll learn more from people like this and tapes like these than you will college. And I became addicted. And from the moment I put Brian Tracy's Psychology of Success in my ears, I thought this is exactly, um, it was like I was in complete alignment with what I ultimately wanted to do. Uh, with my life. I wanted to ultimately um, grow businesses and teach people these principles and come up with my own and take a lot of their principles and make it my own and and teach other people and help them be better, not only as individuals, but how they can run their businesses better because I've always loved business. Um, my dad was a businessman. My grandfather was a businessman. I have a family. I could go on and on about just business um, authorities and leaders in in, in chosen fields. And that's kind of where it started. And so from that, um, I, I started an internet company out of college. And we can get into that. But that's just kind of the gist as far as, um, you know, what, what started it all. Oh, that's amazing. And I, and I love the fact that your dad gave you those Brian Tracy uh, books or audio tapes because uh, Brian Tracy is a legend. I remember. And now I, I know. Him, yeah. my, it's, I guess I didn't, I didn't listen to him on tape, but I... Because of YouTube and the internet, uh, it's now connected that way. I've just gone back and listened to a lot of his stuff. And his uh, time management speech was, was my favorite thing that I've heard from him. It was just 
he broke it down in such a way. He's such a great communicator. So uh, he's the best. You know, time management. I, I learned a lot of time management from him. At the same time, my dad gave me those tapes. He also enrolled me in a Franklin, which is now Franklin Covey, but at that point it was Franklin Planner, um, a time management weekend seminar. And and I was like, Dad, I don't need it. Da, 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 da. He's like, I'm telling you, you learn how to master your time, you will master everything. So I did, and it was huge. And my time management skills um, are really solid because of the Franklin Planner and because of Brian Tracy. And so I, I, I spent a lot of time studying, you know, all of that. Wow. And wow. Uh, and and you know, and, and even how I got into real estate. You talked about my real estate career for a, a quick second, but that was uh, influenced by my grandfather. I would sit with him when I was seven years old at his. Um, spec home in Milford, Michigan, and just would watch him negotiate deals and talk about real estate. And I thought, I want to get into real estate. And that's that's where my real estate passion came from. I love it. I love it. And so, yeah, in, in your bio, I talked a lot about the tremendous amount of success that you had. I mean, from internet companies to real estate firms, to restructuring. And, you know, before I go into why you realized it was time to leave, what would you attribute all your success to? It wasn't just one industry. Yeah, I mean, it, it's insane what you've done. And you, you're only 45. Is it 43? 45? I'm 45. Only I'm 45. 45 and you've done that? I mean, that's insane to me. Well, I've, I've definitely reinvented myself career-wise quite a bit. I, was, you know, I started in the internet world, um, as we said earlier. Uh, after the internet world, I like, was in the real estate world for a while. And now I'm an executive advisor, business coach, and author, which I love. But, you know, how would I define success? I would define success as figuring out exactly what you want to do, creating a plan to do it and going to do it and staying um, staying focused on that and be in alignment with what is in your soul and in your heart. And then everything else kind of happens in a little bit of an easier, um, uh, everything kind of lays out in front of you a lot, much easier. Not that it's easy. Nothing's easy, I think. Um, everything is, you know, challenging and has its challenges and has its ups and downs and roller coasters. But in order to make it through all of those, if you're not, you need to do what you love. And some people will say, well, I can't do that because I, I can't afford to do what I love or I can't afford. Well, you can't afford to maybe do it right now. But if you create and take the ideas, put it in writing and create something that is physical, that you actually are looking at every morning and every night, that you're spending five minutes minimum building and growing, then it will happen. But, you know, the when, you know, don't get lost. Don't get paralyzed in doing nothing. Otherwise, your when never comes. Absolutely. Wow. Thanks. Um, thanks for sharing that. So when did you then realize it was time to leave the corporate world and go into business for yourself? So I, I well, I started out of college um, in business for myself. And so that was incredible. And that was, you know, for about four or five years uh, that I was working uh, with my brother. He was my business partner. And we also had a buddy of ours that was our third business partner. And, um, and then after we, after I was done with my internet company, I actually took a little bit of time off to just kind of clear my head. And, um, then I got into real estate and, you know, when I got into being a, becoming a broker for real estate, it was never something that I thought, God, I'm going to be a broker for the rest of my life. I wanted to sell real estate. I wanted to sell investment real estate and, um, I just wanted to do it. And so I started doing it. And then after about six years, I just because I'm an entrepreneur by spirit, I just was getting restless. It was getting a little monotonous. I loved it. I loved the company I worked with. I loved the company that um, the people that I worked with, I was just getting restless. I had all these ideas in my head that I'd be mapping out in companies. And so then it got to the point where um, my company needed to promote somebody to take over the office because the person that was running it was getting promoted. 
And so they offered it to me, long story short, and I took it. Um, I took the opportunity because I thought I was kind of restless and I needed something new. I needed a new challenge. And the, the challenge was unbelievable because I took over August 4th of 2008 and the market crashed in an intense way in September of 2008. And so what I learned through those first two, three years was something I could never read in a book, which I'm a huge reader and a constant learner. And it was something that I could never even, you can't learn in a seminar. I lived through the, you know, the, 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 the crash and, and then how we grew out of it. But after six years of that, I just, again, was getting restless and I was running a, you know, a top, you know, top bottom line and top line, you know, office within my firm. I mean, I had to some, what would think is an ideal job. Uh, but to me, I just had all these ideas and I had all of this, this creativity and I just felt like I was getting stifled and that I had to be more corporate minded than I could creatively um, do things that I wanted to do. You know, so I would be home mapping out kind of business plans and books I wanted to write and courses I wanted to create. And I couldn't do it within the confines of, of corporate America, not to the extent that I wanted to. I mean, I wanted to be able to like come up with an idea and implement it the next day. And so I just felt like I was, I just was losing my creativity and that's how I knew it was time to go. And so I left a very, um, what some would say was a very prestigious job, uh, making a lot of money and left to start my own company. But as I was about to leave and start my own company, um, I actually for a year went in house to a company and then I started my own company. Wow. Wow. No, that's, that's quite the story. And then now your mantra is think big, uh, but do you think bigger is always better? No, I think, I think it's a personal mantra. You know, thinking big to me is about defining what your big is, reverse engineering that, and then doing the small things that need to get done every single day consistently that compound over time to get to your own personal big. So it's, it's really another way of saying, what's your purpose? You know, and then so a question you could ask or some people could ask as well, should your purpose be big? Well, yeah, it should be big. It should be, it should be big as, because it's in alignment with your soul of who you are and what you want to do. So to me, I align it with that. You know, if you do, that's thinking big to me. And so it gets people's attention because it, it really means something different. And sometimes people don't know how to articulate it. But when I articulate it the way I just did to you, and I'll say it again, it's about choosing what your big is slash what's your purpose? What do you want to do with your life? How big do you want to get? What do you want to do? How hungry are you? Um, what are you going to do to make it happen? And what are you going to, what are the consequences to make it happen? And, you know, what do you got to overcome to make certain happen? And how bad do you want it? And then you reverse engineer to the day and you figure out what you got to do every day consistently that compounds over time to get to your big. And, and, and that to me is the ultimate fulfillment. Being in that state of constant learning. I've got it. Yeah. Well, being in that state of constant learning and being in that state of consciousness where consciousness, you yeah. know that you are, you know, you're working towards something that you define, nobody else. And that's why, that's why I don't think I was um, in alignment with a corporate, with corporate America anymore because I needed to be in alignment with exactly what I wanted to do. And, you know, maybe that's selfish, but I had such a burning desire to do what I'm doing now. I mean, if somebody goes to my website, they can see, you know, uh, johndwaskin.com is, you know, you can see, you'll understand what I mean. I mean, I have, you know, blogs and podcasts and video tips and eBooks. And I mean, and not just, you know, one, I have almost, almost 300 video tips and, 
and and dozens and dozens of blogs and tons of episodes in three different podcasts. And I mean, it goes on and on the amount of content that I have. And that's what's in my brain. And I have so much more content that is coming in 2018 and beyond. And that's what makes me feel fulfilled. And so I think the question that people need to ask themselves, and a buddy of mine called me when I was working at my firm, and he said, there's an Anthony Robbins quote I want you to listen, uh, that I just heard, and I want to share it with you because I think it'll mean a lot to you. Success minus fulfillment equals failure. And I, and even though I was successful, I wasn't fulfilled. And so to me, when, when did I know in another way is when I wasn't feeling fulfilled by what I did anymore, when I didn't feel like I was just, you know, at the core fulfilled. Anyway, I don't mean to talk too much, but that's kind no, of no. Please continue. Yeah. I, I remember watching that episode. I believe, <laughs> I believe it was it was part of a Oprah Super Soul Sunday. I'm a huge Oprah. Oprah is, you know, you talk about Brian Tracy. For me, Oprah Winfrey and Nelson Mandela were, were my two uh, yeah. uh, sages growing up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. No, no, no. Please. <laughs> no, I mean, but but you know, and that's what I'm reminded of as as I'm listening to you, and it's um, it's really fascinating to to see that you can reinvent yourself so much because I think a lot of people, I always say there are two reasons why people don't believe they can change the world. And, and one is, is fixed mindsets and two is um, limited worldviews. And in that, absolutely in the fixed mindset area, a lot of people do, they do get to, they say, Oh, I'm 45. I'm not going to be, what have I done? You know, I can't do anything. You've reinvented yourself from multiple times, you know, at the age of 23 and having you on just hearing your definition of think big is so inspiring. Um, and I, I guess, is that what led to the book, the Think Big Movement? Well, I'll, I'll, just quickly, I want to comment on something. You said Carol, I think her last name is Drack. I don't know, but she writes a book called Mindset. And uh, it's a great book for some of your listeners that they may enjoy. And she talks about exactly what you just said. There's two mindsets, fixed or growth. And, you know, pick one and uh, be happy with it. Or, or, you know, if you want to grow, you got to have a growth mindset. But if you have a fixed mindset, you really can't grow. But I wanted to talk about... Um, Oprah for a second, because I, you know, Oprah to me is brilliant. She, you know, the interviews that she has and her her insights and things of that nature. Um, she had a, a show called Master's Class on for a long time yeah. on her channel, yeah. and it was great. She doesn't she doesn't have it anymore, but I I was addicted to that show, and I that was I I used to when I was running um, my real estate office, I had to give Monday morning meetings every Monday, and one thing I knew that the the, the people in my office didn't watch that show, but I would watch it every Sunday and watch these phenomenal interviews and get such great insight that a lot of times I would base themes of for my office around what those people were saying on Sundays and incorporate it and then and not always give attribution, but sometimes, and then I would kind of make it my own and then quote people, but nobody knew that I was taking it from master's class, from the master's <laughs> class. So it was it was great, and you know she's uh, both of you know Nelson and Oprah are, are phenomenal people. No, and absolutely changing the changing the world. Yeah, that, that's that's the whole thing, and 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 that's yeah that you know when um, your publicist reached out to me and he told me about yourself, I was like you know I was reading halfway, I was like yep, just I want to talk to him, <laughs> want to talk to him more because <laughs> thanks, you know, ah, the pleasure is mine, and it's because of people like you that I you know I do the shows because I want to. Show the world there are different mindsets you can have. This show is based on um, showing people how to connect effectively across cultures, to also think yeah. and also make a difference. But the Think Big movement, obviously, yeah. I love the movement at the end. You just talked about what thinking big means to you. You really think that right. this can be a movement? Well, to me, again, the movement is just an extension of my whole philosophy of just thinking big. And, um, 
you know, I have a new podcast coming out in January called Think. Um, and it's called Think Business with John Dwoskin. Uh, think big, think forward, think consciously. And because I really think it's important for people to stop and think. I don't think people think enough. And um, the movement in my the name of my book, what it means is the movement in your mind. The movement is how can you shift perspectives and see things from different angles and look in the mirror and have this movement in your mind that is going to shift the way that you move forward in your life. So that's the movement. So when I talk about the think big movement, thinking big, I defined earlier for you. And the movement is the ultimate shift in consciousness. Mm. Now I take those, I take that philosophy and then write a business novel parable around it and then take my best practices and a lot of business philosophies and put them in the book so you read it in real time as if you almost are the characters. Because every character in my book, nobody's perfect. But it's there's a string of people and all the characters have backstories and nobody's perfect because nobody's perfect in life and nothing's perfect in business and nothing comes wrapped up in, in a perfect box. So there's twists and turns and, and advice and wisdom based on the characters that enter into the main characters like Jacob. And as he w walks his journey through the book, you you he you experience him going through the, his own think big evolution and his own shift in consciousness, hence his movement as he gets through the book and ultimately towards the end of the book. And so, what I wanted to do is create a not only a business book but also somewhat of a novel that takes people on not only a business journey but a spiritual journey. And it has a lot of depth to it. The book and 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 in the meantime. You're going to grow your business, but if you're not a business person, you'll still enjoy the book because of the of the spiritual journey it takes you on. Yeah, yeah. You know what that reminds me of? Reminds me of one of my favorite books, The Alchemist. Um, which absolutely, <laughs> it's one of my favorite books ever. And my my book is very uh, Alchemist, Celestine Prophecy, Four Agreements, Richest Man in Babylon. You know, all of those types of books. I love The Alchemist. I is one of my favorites. I buy. I don't mean to cut you short. I want to hear why you love it, but. I buy every time I love a book, I buy, you know, three, four, five copies. So I have about 100 books in my house because uh, I usually, you know, I like giving them out. And The Alchemist is always a staple that I have three, four or five books to give away. Absolutely. No, and I love yeah. I love that you cut me off because that's I love that excitement. That's how I feel about the book. You know, Santiago's story for yeah. me is uh, one. It's one. I mean, finding a personal legend. I um, you know, I, I, I shared my story with you. I was this kid who's just always the minority everywhere I went. But I had this big vision. And for me, thinking big was, you know, making sure that people effectively learned how to communicate across cultures. How, how does someone who grew up in a military dictatorship and then found himself in all these continents where people were fighting over things that, from my vantage point, I was like, that's, there's beauty in this difference. There's multiple perspectives. I want to be that bridge. And so um, yeah. that fulfillment was, you know, I, I relate a lot to Santiago, not only as someone that's, you know, just going through several several parts of the world because yeah. that was kind of me but also the, the fact that his alchemy ultimately was was something a lot deeper than what he initially thought oh my god when i you know when i finished reading that book and i always tell people you got to read it you may start reading it and think what the hell am i reading but you got to get to the very end of the book because and obviously you and i aren't gonna talk about what happens at the end <laughs> but it is it is that book i still remember the feeling thinking i needed more i needed more i needed more and I, I, you know, you, you, it's hard for me. I have not found a book that has been able to be the extension of that book. 
Right. The only other book I've read where I felt the same way was, um, and I read a ton, I love to read, I love to listen to books on tape, Audible, Me too. Uh, was Seat of the Soul by Gary Zukav. Oh, I haven't and read that. I, and you read it? No, I haven't read it yet. You got to read it. It's it's one of my favorite books. I talk his book. I actually put his book in my book. His book <laughs> is part of my book and actually part of my bio that I put on my website because it had such a um, a shift for me in consciousness. I remember seeing an interview with him randomly being interviewed actually by Oprah. I don't even know how I would have like seen it at a four o'clock whenever it was on whenever it was on. But I saw him interviewed and he. He talks about this book, Seed of the Soul, and I just was so like mesmerized by the book. And so, but there was one line in the book in particular that had a huge shift in me. And I think I don't even know if he spoke about it or if I read it. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But I must have read it 25 years ago. And it said that the ideal human being is when the personality ends and the soul begins. Wow. And and you can't really tell when that happens. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, so I was 25 at the 20 at the time, um, in my early twenties. And I was thinking, and I remember thinking to myself, I am out of alignment. I'm out of alignment because I know who I am in my soul, but my personality is just not fully in alignment with that. And that was, that was a huge shift for me. That book rocked my world. Wow. That was an amazing book. I would compare that book to, um, uh, a New Earth, Power of Now, The Alchemist, and Seed of the Soul. I mean, four life-changing books for me. Well, you, now you just made me get it. I just got it in Audible right now. So now now, right. now, <laughs> now I've gotten it. <laughs> right, all right, good. Enjoy it. Let me know after you're done reading it uh, or listening to it. Let me know. Call me. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've been going through a lot of books this year. I'm on my, uh, I'm on my 27th. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, nice. uh, definitely happy to do that. Um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to talk to you about this. Do you believe that you can teach someone to be an entrepreneur or is that innate? Um, well, I think it depends. I think really it depends on what your level of risk is. Um, and I think you can, I don't know if you can, I, I don't, I think it's just, you're either born an entrepreneur or you're, or you're not, but you can also be an entrepreneur with the right business partners. And, 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 and that's the, I would say option two entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial experience, meaning, Hey, you know, there's plenty of people where, you know, I, I was an entrepreneur out of college, but I couldn't have started an internet company by myself. I just couldn't. Um, you know, so I did it with my brother and a buddy of ours, you know, so we needed the three of us. 
I didn't even really know what the internet was when I started the company. Mm. But I knew it was something big and I knew that it was going to get and be really big and be a absolute paradigm shift for the way people did things. That I knew. And I was passionate about it and I studied it and but I couldn't have done it by myself. So, you know, if I would if I if I would have done an inter, you know, done an, been an entrepreneur and done something by myself back in 1995 of, you know, June of 95, I probably wouldn't have done an internet business because I didn't know technology. I just knew sales and I knew the concept of what the internet was. So, but I had two business partners that did and we taught each other different elements of the business. So I think you have to um, be ready to take some risk and, de and depending on the level of risk you're willing to take will depend on the level um, of money you have and the level of where you are in your life. And the level and confidence you have that you can do it by yourself, like I am now doing it by myself, um, versus back you know, 25 years ago, I needed business partners to be an entrepreneur. So I think you just got to be really honest with yourself and understand what your uni unique strengths are uh, and what you want to do and where you see the hole in the marketplace and either be ready to commit 80 plus hours a week for the first three, four plus years of working really hard. Today, I think it's easier to be an entrepreneur because you can have virtual assistants very easily. And um, and so, yeah, do I think anybody can be an entrepreneur? Not everybody. I think if you have a very fixed mindset, like you talked about earlier, no. I don't think those people are, are the best entrepreneurs. Uh, they can act like, they can, you know, act like entrepreneurs within an industry, but they're not the best. You have to be growth-minded and you have to have a, a certain level of risk uh, in your DNA to really just go for it and have the faith that your vision is going to turn into something real. Mm, wow. Okay. Wow. This is uh, this is this is good stuff here. It's interesting because that's always the debate. Um, you know, innate or not, and w whatever the opinion is that you have, it's I think the idea of what you're saying is um, ultimately you can still build a business even if it wasn't something that was natural to you. Whether it's surrounding yourself with the type of people. Uh, right, that can help you get there, or maybe it's something that you do. Right, um, but I also think, but I'll tell you one thing, Tayo. I also think it's you know, there's no personality that is right or wrong to start a company and be an entrepreneur. I mean, I know plenty of entrepreneurs that are you know external and outrageous and this and that, but I know plenty of entrepreneurs that are pretty introverted and just really smart, and they t they can start a business, grow a business successfully, and then they hire people to. Uh, do things that aren't their strengths. So, you know, just be, you know, I, I think that's important just to point out. No, you know. no, it is. I, I mean, in my opinion, I, I you know, I, I wasn't a prototypical entrepreneur. Uh, I always say I sort of fell into this, but then again, it was always something I wanted to do since I was 10. I mean, since I was 10, right. I said I wanted to change the world. I just had a different path. Um, that's funny because when I was seven, I remember thinking I want to own my own company and be the president of my own company. I mean, I, I knew it. But I'll say one thing too. Today you can be. Today you don't need to be a hundred percent entrepreneur. You can be a side entrepreneur. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, you can have a. There's plenty of people that have amazing businesses online that also work a forty-hour work week. And whether it's, you know, my wife is always buying things on Etsy. I mean, those are all entrepreneurs in a yeah. way. But you know, that's a, secu a a secure way of being an entrepreneur because it's extra income. It's but so you don't have to you don't have to put it all out there today. You can you can have it all. You know, you can be a work in a corporate America, a, a corporate America, and you can also be an entrepreneur on the side. 
we live in the gig gig economy now. A lot of people do, you know, you know, Uber, Lyft. Everything. Yes, exactly, anything. exactly. Um, yeah. No, so that's good. Well, so then, okay, so let's let's go back a little bit to the the company elements of this. Do you know what is the number one thing that you know gets companies or people stuck, and what are the three things that you can do to get unstuck? So the number one thing that gets companies stuck is they have the wrong people in the wrong seats doing the wrong things, and it, and, and it affects their culture. It takes a ton of time to manage the wrong people, and they have either, you know, for a plethora of reasons, have gotten um, uh, themselves in a in an environment where they aren't getting rid of people, they aren't training people, um, they're training the wrong people, and they just, you know, so the solution, you get the right people in the right seats. And you, you look at your entire org chart and you look at them and you rate them one through 10. And anybody who's under a nine or an eight specifically, then you have to have a coaching um, uh, solution for them. How are you going to coach them up? Or you need to coach them to a new seat or you need to coach them out of your company, which means you got to then reverse engineer a recruiting strategy to fill those seats. The next thing you got to do is really look at the systems, the processing processes, and the planning that is that is incorporated into your organization. Meaning, a lot of times companies don't have systems, they don't have processes, they're not planning, they make decisions on the fly. There's no set planning process or system in place. Well, when that happens, a lot of times, sometimes you're actually overstaffed, even though it feels like you're understaffed because nobody knows what to do, and this and there's nothing that's tight. So you really got to look and examine that, and that is critically important. The last thing is you always got to be recruiting and looking for top talent. If you want to be the best, you always got to have the best. And with that, you have to not only recruit, but you have to be training people on a consistent basis. All of your people, you need to have them in an environment where you are always training them. You are talking about the importance of uh, self-education and self-learning. They should be committing to minimum of 15 to 30 minutes a day of learning, listening to podcasts, listening to a book. You want to infuse that. You want to be doing workshops. You want to be training your people. That's how you retain your people. And overall, um, people want leadership. They want to be led and they want their, they want their opinion in the mix, but they want to be led by leaders. Too many leaders don't lead. You can be in a leadership position and not lead. You have to own the responsibility to lead your people to where you want to go and always hold the vision of the company in front of not only yourself, but them. And that includes their vision in front of them as well. And know what everybody's driver is within an organization so you can influence, inspire, and have the credibility to do so to grow your business. Well said. Well said. And then, okay, so then. <laughs> Thank I, you. I mean, it's, it's very clear. You, you, know, you know exactly what you've done. You've lived it. You walked the talk. Um, the, the, the next thing then is I'm wondering, you talked about getting stuck and unstuck, but how do you grow and reset your culture? Because, yeah, you want the leader, but then, okay, leader wants to create this type of culture. How do you grow that type of culture and reset it? Well, first, you got to realize, you got to understand what your culture is. And so a lot of times you really want to spend time. Uh, there's something called a net promoter score, and you want to spend some time understanding kind of what your culture is. And an easy way to do that is at your next staff meeting, hand out blank pieces of small paper, ask people to rank the culture one through 10. They'll be very honest. They roll up the paper. They throw it in a hat. You undo it, you take the average, there's your culture right there. So I go into companies sometimes and do that simple exercise, and all, what we realize is the culture is a four out of 10. 
Wow. So then then the discussion starts. Okay, where are we broken? Where are the leaks? Well, typically it all comes back to people. And it all comes back to people managing people who don't know how to manage people. And when you have people who have been promoted into management positions, I see it happen all the time, uh, and no, and every business is guilty of it. You know, you get a you get promoted because you've been to a, at a company for a long time. Now you're a manager. You were great at what you did, but you really don't know how to manage people. And then the company doesn't train you how to manage your people. And because that doesn't happen, all you have is disgruntled people, and 80% of your day is now putting out fires and getting rid of drama. And so it really always comes back to the people. And that's what gets us stuck. Wow. So how do you so how do you reset your culture? You understand where you are, you do some online surveys, you do and you understand what your net promoter score is, and you constantly are on a mission then to grow that. You get the right people in, you get toxic people out of your organization. I'm I am a big fan of, you know, you have these people, get people in the right seats, train the people that are there. But if there's somebody toxic, you got to get them out of the organization. That is the number one way to reset your culture. Not reset, but start um, on the path of. Because toxic people will bring down an organization. You are only as high as your lowest bar. And whatever your lowest um, standard is, is is your standard to the company. So that's one thing you got to really take seriously as a leader. A lot of leaders don't do that because they don't want to get rid of people. And That is a leadership responsibility. You have a responsibility as the owner of the company, as the leader of the company, to create a safe environment for those that come to work and want to do their best every day. That's your responsibility. And so that's what they need to do. That is the first thing. If you don't get rid of the toxic people and you don't get the right people in the right seats and you don't have the systems, the processes, and and start shifting the mindset, and it starts with the leader. If the leader doesn't want to grow, it can't happen. That's the first that is the first step for create for resetting your culture. And then once you have the right people, you got to get the systems and the processes and the planning down cuz what if you don't have that, then people are going in a thousand different directions and then they're pissed and then they feel micromanaged and they don't want that they want to be empowered. So you got to get that done and then that begins to reset your culture. Wow. And then you and then you start layering in other things like doing fun things and and in, in incorporating in some instances, you can do, um, you know, give people's birthdays off. For you know, there's a lot of fun things you can do as you constantly evolve your culture. Um, I, one of the things I like to do is tell companies to have a fun committee where they think of fun things to do. I love when I go into an organization and they say, "Oh, we bring in lunch twice a month, and we bring in lunch three times a month, and every Friday we have, every Friday we actually bring in lunch, and every Tuesday we bring in." Uh, breakfast and we have jeans day um, every uh, Friday on summer uh, during the summer and you know during uh, the month of September we do this and we have a theme every month of what we do you know they try to make it fun you're with these people more than you are with your family so but as far as resetting your culture those are some of the things no that's that's no I love it I love it and then when you reset the culture a CEO says I want to be a CEO what a top three qualities that a CEO must have to bring out the best in their people? Uh, number one, um, let them know that they matter, right? The people know that they matter. Um, don't micromanage them. And because uh, I think that is a, that's a huge thing. You got to be careful when you are a leader. If, you, if your people feel micromanaged by you, the CEO, then that's not a good thing. 
and they absolutely want to know that they matter to the organization, especially going down to the nitty gritty. I love when I hear people talking, you know, the CEOs go down and they're talking to the people in the mail room. They're like, hey, listen, you make a big difference in this company. Everything you do, you know, is, is just as important as I think that everybody else in this company does. And really finding the windows of, um, of time to compliment them and um, make them feel important. But the key is, as a CEO, to inspire and influence your team and be a really solid communicator. And if you're not a solid communicator where you can inspire, influence, still be firm, right? It's okay for the CEO to be firm. There's, there's lots of goals. There's lots of things to do um, to grow a company. And, you know, you got to know the difference of when to be nice and tough and tough and nice. And so sometimes CEOs do get misunderstood. But you got to always be, um, you know, inspiring and influencing people to be their best and trust and have trust in them. If they feel trusted, that they know they have the trust to make a good a decision and that, in, that it'll be okay if they make a mistake once, then hopefully they won't make the same mistake twice. Then if you can infuse that you have trust in them, then they will just, they'll run through a brick wall for you. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's so true. And uh, I do a lot of work with companies and that's definitely when there's a, a dis- disconnect with the company culture and the internal cultures, there's just no room for growth unless those things are addressed. And then if they're addressed in public and people are working towards that and it's active and people are not micromanaging, it then becomes um, a more harmonious environment as opposed to uh, something that's uh, potentially harmful. Um, okay. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, as we're getting ready to, to wrap up here, I'm curious. With, I have two questions. One is, yeah, we're staying with this um, company culture here. How do you hire the right people? And then after that, I'm going to be selfish and want to <laughs> ask you what you've learned about yourself and trusting your gut. Um, how you hire the right people? This is kind of an easy one. What I tell people is ABR, always be recruiting. It is a numbers <laughs> game. You have to always be recruiting. Do not settle and have high standards. I'm doing, um, uh, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with clients, I, there's a lot of different variations that I'll work with clients. And one of the ways is I'll, I'll be an interim COO for some clients where I actually go in-house and I do a lot of the you know, integrating and working with the, with every, we're working with everybody in the company. And when things, when people don't have time to do certain things, I'll take it over. So right now I'm doing a little bit of recruiting for one of my clients. And I went through about 110 resumes for, um, uh, one of the positions we're looking for. And of the 110, I sent out 25 emails to, from Indeed. And, um, I basically said like, Hey, uh, you know, I'd like to do a five, a 10 minute phone screen with you. Uh, please let me know what works, John. And then I left, you know, John Dwoskin, and then I left my phone number two four eight five three five seven seven nine six. So what I wanted when I sent that out was I wanted people to pick up the phone and call me. I didn't want them to email me back. I didn't say that, but that's the type of person I'm looking for. So of the seven, of the twenty five emails that I sent out of the hundred and ten, I got about twelve emails back, but no phone calls. So I looked through hundred and ten resumes. Sent 25 uh, emails out, got about 12-ish responses, no phone calls. Until today, I got one phone call. Hmm. And the person said, I got an email back because the email goes to somebody else in the company that said the person was out of town. So I went to the website. This was 15 minutes later. I 
I saw that you left your phone number. I went to the website and checked it out, like the email said, and I wanted to call you to talk about why I'm right for the position. Boom, 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 boom. When can I come in for an interview? And I thought, okay, you know what? That's it. So one out of 25 is going to actually pick up the phone, be proactive, and be the type of person that I want to interview. Now, I don't know what they're like because they're coming in next week for me to interview them, but but that's what I expect, and that's a numbers game. So that's one out of 110 resumes that I looked at that actually did what I wanted them to do to be the type of person that I want within this company and the culture. Wow. So you got to be patient. You got to know the numbers. And I actually was telling somebody earlier uh, in the day, they were saying, what are we going to get this one position filled? I said, listen, it's, you know, I was going telling them the same thing. I said, listen, if we can get a one out of 20, one out of 30 resume, you know, resumes that we email in the door, that's good. So it was great to, to show them that number. But um, you got to be patient. You got to know your ratios. You got to know that you should not settle. If you settle now, hire slow, fire fast. If you settle, then you'll just have to be, you know, chasing people later on. So know what you want, know exactly what you want, know the role for the position, the responsibility, the type of characteristics you want in a person, and don't settle. Don't settle. Love it. That's a good mantra for life in general. And in terms of not settling, what have you learned about yourself from following your gut? Well, I, I, I'll tell you what I learned that I should have listened to my gut a long time ago, a little bit clearer, because I wanted to start my business um, about a year, year and a half uh, before I did, and uh, probably two years before I did, but I didn't because I was just nervous and I was scared. And I had gone to my business coach at the time, um, who would still be my business coach, but unfortunately he passed away about a year ago. I'm sorry. Um, I know, I, 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 I am too. Um, he was awesome. His name was Jules. And um, he said, I want you to just go talk to this one attorney. And so I talked to the attorney and um, long story short, as I was leaving, he said, um, if you don't do something, you'll look back with regret. And I thought, wow, that's, that was impactful for me. And, it was, and he, was, he was right. But I still, it still took me about a year to kind of make my own jump because I was nervous, you know, about this, that, and the other. I have two children. I'm married. I have, I have, I have um, health insurance. I have, you know, I mean, there's a thousand different things that kind of go through your head. And um, but once I, you know, put my stake in the ground and used social media to begin promoting my company. It was, the, it was the greatest thing ever. And so oh, to me, um, what I learned about myself is um, always listen to my gut and because it's, it's always done good by me. Um, and when I ignore it, um, it's not a good thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I always close my interview with this. It's the mission statement. It's my why, if you will. And it's use your yeah. difference to make a difference, right? That's what I believe. I love it. Thank you so much. So That's a great one. one. Oh, it's a great one? Thank you. I got the <laughs> co-sign. Um, John, um, but I always ask my guests that question. How do you, you John, um, use your difference to make a difference? You know, I do my best every day to make a difference and help people be better. And to me, that's how I, that's how I rate my, that's my own personal scorecard. 
and uh, every single morning and every single night and every client that I'm with. And I've been burned a couple times when I think certain clients don't want to be better and they don't want to be helped and um, they think they do, but they don't. And so when I have strayed from that philosophy, not only for um, myself, but kind of uh, for people who I think uh, want that as well, then I get burned. And so I really do my best to kind of tap into um, the knowing that I have that I want to help people be better. I will, and in, and I want to help businesses be better. And those are the people that I want to work with and those are the people that I want to surround myself with. And so I try to give a little bit of stuff that I've learned and continue to learn and tap into just my abilities to listen to people and understand where they are and how to get them to where they want to be. And if I can do that every day, then then I'm fulfilled and, and I think I'm making a little bit of difference uh, in the world every day. Dude, you're awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're awesome, Tayo. Thank you. Uh, no, this has been amazing. And I just want to thank you for uh, just taking us on a personal slash entrepreneurial journal. It's very much like uh, your book almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, my book, you know, my book, it's, it's a lot of real life, my book. So yeah. it's, you know, and, uh, you know, if anybody buys it, I hope they enjoy it. And if they don't, you know, you can return it. <laughs> well, I'll definitely make sure we put the links there. The, the links of the Think Big Movement, that's the book. Um, yeah. Also, you, you know, the John Dorskin experience. Uh, it's probably it's probably your website where you're um, who you are and all your podcasts yeah. are also there johndwaskin.com we'll put all yeah. that there and we'll make sure that uh, people get you know enriched in many many multiple ways but I want to thank you once again for coming on the show uh, it's been a true uh, enlightened one yeah Tayo I appreciate you having me on the show thank you to you and thank you to your listeners um, I appreciate it and uh, thanks for your time and everybody who's listening to time as well awesome Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.